what's been going on here? Oh, well, I sold another house on Tuesday. And I already told you about getting held up, so... Yeah, look, about that. It's not that I didn't care. All right, I was... I just got really busy. So when I saw that you were all right... I understand. It's all right. I'm sorry for getting so worked up about it. You're sorry? Yeah. I knew you were at work, probably in a meeting. I should have just waited till later to bring it up. My mind was just racing, so I took it out on you. But you know what? I really think it was good for Danielle. I think it helped her to realize how important it is to be aware of who's around you, so... You want hot sauce? Yeah, that's fine. You want mild or wrath of God? I don't want wrath of God. Okay, then let me have the other one. What do you want, Liz? You mean right now? Yeah. Well, I would kill for a hot fudge sundae. Just fudge everywhere. And two scoops of ice cream, cookies and cream, whipped cream, just mounds, mounds of whipped cream on top. And one cherry, one cherry. And my feet are killing me. Man, I would love a foot rub. Liz, I'm not rubbing your feet. Okay. Well, you wanna pray? Yeah. God, we thank you for this food and we thank you for taking care of our family. Amen. Amen. Starving. Let's eat. Mmm, it's good. All right, well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Well at STSA. Uh, happy that you're joining us here on this Sunday. We are in the middle of a series called Into the War Room, which is based on a movie called The War Room, which we saw a clip right there. So if you, if you didn't see the movie, I understand that clip may not have made much sense to you, but for those who did see the movie, remember that scene um, when uh, the, well, I don't want to get to that. You remember the scene, okay? What we are going to talk about here today, what we're talking about in this series is the power of prayer and about how prayer is a very, very powerful thing as exemplified by that scene, which we'll see in a minute. Prayer is a powerful thing that has unlimited capabilities in our lives. And we all kind of know that and we all kind of tell others about that and we really believe it. But the problem is, is most of us are lacking a plan to unleash that power in our lives. And that's what the goal of this series is. I said in the very start of this series, my assumption that you showing up here at church on a Sunday morning, instead of sleeping in at home, you believe in the power of prayer. And you know that prayer is powerful and you wouldn't be here otherwise, unless you believe that there is something powerful about when we stand in front of God and we pray. The problem isn't that we don't know we need to pray. The problem is that we don't pray. We know we need to. We tell other people that they should, but our problem is we don't have a plan to actually pray and unleash that power in our lives. And that's the goal of this series. The topic for today, as you see on your handout, is praying with scripture. And for those who, again, have seen the movie, they may be able to remember how powerful it was when the lady prayed with scripture. And we're going to talk about what does that mean? The truth of the matter is, is that you can't get very far in a series about prayer without talking about scripture. You can't. 
Because prayer and scripture are connected. They're two sides of the same coin. You can't really do either one properly without the other one. You can't pray properly without scripture, and you can't read scripture properly without prayer. And we're going to see today why that is the case. If you were to ask most people, give me a definition of prayer. Define prayer in one sentence. Most people. Most people would say prayer is communicating with God. That's what most people would say. Prayer is communicating with God. And we know that communication can look different ways and take different forms. And we know that we can pray when we're in our cars. Just, you know, we can just lift up our hearts to God. We can pray before a test. Like, we can communicate to God in many, many different ways. Well, if prayer is truly communication with God, communication implies two ways. Like, I cannot have a real relationship with another person where the communication is just one way. You come to my house and I tell you everything that you need to know about my life. That's not a real relationship. If it's a true relationship between me and any other person, there has to be a back and a forth. There has to be a speaking and a listening. So if prayer is a communication with God, then the question we want to answer today is, does God really speak? Now, again, I know the Sunday school answer. Like, I know the answer. You know it too. The answer is yes. But my question to you is really, does God really speak, and I guess I should have put in there, to you? Does God really speak to you? When was the last time that you can with confidence say, yeah, God spoke to me this? When was the last time you would say, yeah, I heard the voice of God in this? When was the last time you would say, I was confused, I didn't know, and I, was, I just needed something, and then God gave me exactly what I needed? Again, in theory, we know it exists, and we heard other people talk about it, and we read books about other people saying that kind of stuff. But does God really speak to you? And I guess a, 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 a next question follow-up that maybe you're asking yourself is if he did, would I even know? How, like, what, does God, what does God sound like? What does his voice sound like? Does God like, have like, you know, like the Morgan Freeman? Like, is that how God sounds like? You know what I mean? Like, what, what am I looking for? Like, am I looking for something in the sky? Like, what am I looking for when it comes to the voice of God? Here's the thing. This is a sensitive topic about hearing the voice of God. And I'll tell you why this is a sensitive topic. If you are a non-lifelong Christian, if you are not a lifelong Christian, if you're not even a Christian at all, if you're someone who's kind of checking this thing out here, you're kind of Christian, but you don't really, you're kind of annoyed by Christians. And most Christians kind of get on your nerves. If that's who you are, you have every right. You have every right when it comes to this area to be annoyed at the way many Christians kind of apply this. You know why? Because many times, in order to sound spiritual, we just say, yeah, God spoke to me this. Oh yeah, you know, I was driving and God spoke to me this. God spoke to me this. And to be honest, usually we use that just as justification to just whatever we want to say. Whatever I want to say. I, just, I, I, want, I, I want to win an argument, so you know what? God told me you need to repent. That's how it is. We just, and no one can argue with it. God told me. So is this God told me thing? Oftentimes we just make it up. And people just, God told me, and then usually, usually God told me to tell you is followed by something extremely judgmental or extremely crazy. But the only way that you can convince them is by adding God's name in front of it. God told me to tell you, I used to tell my wife, when she said, you watch football on Sundays too much, I say, God wants us to watch football on Sundays, sweet. That's why he made it on his day off. <laughs> Does God really speak? 
Or is it something that we Christians just made up? Does God really speak? And does God really communicate to us in a real, tangible, real-life kind of a way? Or is it just something that Christians just made up because they had no other way to convince people that what they were saying was right? Here's the thing you need to understand. The abuse doesn't negate the reality. The abuse doesn't negate the reality. So yes, it is true that Christians do abuse this God spoke to me. And yes, you have met a, a judgmental Christians in your life who use God told me to tell you to be judgmental and to just speak whatever kind of mean jerk thing they wanted to say and they had the power of God spoke to me. Yes, people do abuse it all the time, but that doesn't negate the reality that God actually does speak. Just because someone abuses it doesn't mean that it's not true. And oftentimes, okay, again, people abuse it and people take it in the wrong way, but that doesn't mean there aren't times where God really does speak. And I'll give you an example. Book of Numbers, chapter 7, verse 89, was a time where Moses was going into the tabernacle, the presence of God, to pray to God, to say something to God. And look what happens. Now, when Moses went into the tabernacle of meeting to speak with him, he heard the voice of one speaking to him. See, Moses went in to speak to him, and God said, no, 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 no. Actually, at this time, I want to speak to you. Speaking to him from above the mercy seat that was on the ark of the testimony from between the two cherubim, thus he spoke to him. Moses going to speak, God said, quiet, I'm speaking now. That's how conversations work. That we come into prayer, and God says, well, actually, before you pray, let me tell you what's on my mind. This is how conversations work. I call you up, hey, I want to say so. Hey, well, before you tell me, let me tell you. Conversations, communication has to have a back and a forth, a ping and a pong. Okay, there's got to be some kind of speaking and listening. And the same is true in our relationship with God. Now, for those who are, are, are struggling with this concept of how does God talk? How does God talk? How does God talk to us? How does God speak to us? You know why you're struggling with it? You're struggling with this concept of God speaking because you are very limited in how you're thinking. Because you are defining talking as a mouth and ears. You're defining talking as there has to be a mouth and there has to be a voice and there has to be ears. That's how you're defining it. But I got news for you. Actually, that's not how you define it. That's only how we define talking with God, but that's not how we define talking with other people. For example, people do this to me all the time. Say, hey, you know what? I was just talking to my friend in Australia. He says, hello. I was like, oh, you called Australia? He says, no. I was just G-chatting. <laughs> hey, I was just talking to so-and-so yesterday. Oh, yeah? Uh, you, 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 I didn't, you know their phone number? You called them on the phone? No, no, no. I was just texting them. We use the word talking to, con to convey communication without words all the time. Texting, G-chatting, uh, Facebooking, tweeting, Insta-face, in whatever it is that you're trying to do. We use the word talking all the time to mean communicating with or without words. So how come when it comes to God, we say, so we can communicate with each other without words because technology allows it. But somehow when it comes to God, God is limited in a way that technology is not. So technology allows us to communicate this way, but God is still like in the stone ages where God can only talk with a mouth. If technology doesn't limit us to speak to our cousin in Australia, 
to speak to people who are on airplanes these days, then why would we say that we need words to talk to God? Or I should say the other way around. Why would we say that God needs words to talk to us? If I don't need words to talk to my cousin, why does God need words to talk to me? If I don't need to speak with my voice to talk to my cousin, why does God need to speak with words in order to talk to me? This verse from Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, says this. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke. God, who in various times and in various ways spoke. In times past, in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. God speaks. Absolutely, God speaks. But we are not going to limit the limitless and saying the speaking has to be this way. We are not going to take the unbound, eternal, infinite God and say, okay, God, if you want to speak, this is the only way that I will hear you speaking in this way. God speaks in various times in various ways. When, first, when God first started speaking, how did God speak to like Moses and the people of Israel during the time? Thunder and lightning, right? Voice of God was like thunder and lightning. God speaks with thunder and lightning. God spoke through dreams to Joseph, right? Spoke through dreams. God would give him a dream and communicate a message to him through a dream. Eventually, God spoke through prophets. And God would take these special people and say, I'm putting my word on their mouth. And then as the verse says right here, in the fullness of time, God spoke to man through how? Through his only begotten son who took flesh and walked around on this earth just like me and you. God speaks in different ways at different times. How does God speak today? Does God speak through prophets today? He could. Does God speak through dreams? He hadn't spoken to me in a dream, but I'm not going to limit him and say he never would. Does God speak through thunder and lightning? I hope I don't get to that point. <laughs> Absolutely, all those ways are possible. But 99.9% of the time today, when God wants to speak, the primary means he uses is the Holy Scripture. I'm not saying that's the only way God speaks. Yes, God may speak to you in a dream. He ain't never spoken to me in a dream. Doesn't mean it's not possible. He's God. I don't limit God. God limits me. I don't limit him. I'm not saying he won't speak through thunder. I'm not saying he won't speak through prophets. But what I'm saying is the primary 99.9% .9 of the time when God speaks to humanity today, it is through the Holy Scripture. What is the Holy Scripture? We're going to talk today about praying with Scripture. But before we talk about that, I want to define some terms. Because we use certain words kind of interchangeably. What is the Holy Scripture? What is the Bible? What is the Word of God? Are these all interchangeable terms? Well, they kind of sort of are, but not really. Here's how I define them. And this is nothing official or, t or technical. This is my own personal understanding. And this is how I define it. And it works for me. It gives me a working definition. Write this down in your handout. The Word of God is a person... The Bible is a technology, and the scripture is the revelation of God in the language of man. The word of God is a person. The Bible is a technology, and you may say, what does that mean? I'll explain that in a second. And the scripture is the revelation of God in the language of man. Let me break this down, what I'm trying to talk about right here. Usually we use these terms interchangeably, and I'm okay with that. Okay, I'm not, I'm not trying to be like legalistic or nitpicky. 
call it whatever you want. I, I don't really care. Just read the Bible is what I want to say. But, but just so we understand, just what, what the different terms mean. The word of God is technically not a book. It's a person. It's a person. It's the second person of the Holy Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Son is the word of God. Greek word is the logos. We read in the gospel according to St. John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the word. Okay? The word is a person. And that word is a person who took flesh in the form of Jesus Christ, who revealed himself to humanity in a variety of ways. And he revealed himself in the flesh, okay, when he walked on this earth. But before he walked on this earth, he also revealed himself to individuals, godly men, saints, holy people on this earth. God would take them, bring them in, and reveal himself to them in some way which we don't understand because it's a God thing. And he would reveal himself to them and they would write down that revelation. The writing down of that revelation is scripture. The writing down of the revelation. God would reveal, bring people in and reveal himself. So to Moses, he would reveal, these laws are very important to me. Moses would write it down. That's scripture. The revelation of God written down. The word scripture, okay, comes from the word script. Okay, something just written down. That all means something written down. And then at the beginning, the scriptures were just kind of loose pieces of paper, okay? A papyrus thing over there, uh, a scroll thing over there. And then eventually, in the 4th or 5th century, all of these loose pieces of paper were compiled together in a book, and that book is called the Bible. What does the word Bible mean? Like sometimes, because we hear words so many times in church, we think they're church words. Bible is not a church word. Bible literally means what? Book. It just means book, okay? Or, or books, technically. Okay, the word Bible just means book or books. Uh, bibliography, set of books. Uh, Spanish, biblioteca, place of books, library. Okay, it just means the book. When we say, did I get that wrong in Spanish? That was right, right? <laughs> Four years of high school Spanish, baby, that's all I remember. <laughs> biblioteca and me, and me gusta nadar, that's all I remember. Okay, I like to swim. Okay, that's all I know how to say in Spanish. Okay, the word of God is a person the scripture is what that person revealed about himself and the Bible is just a technology. You know why I say the Bible is technology? Because some people think of it as the book is what we worship. We don't worship the book. The book is just a book. And to be honest, the book didn't used to exist. The person is who we worship and the book tells us about the person. So we love the book because the book reveals to us the person, but it's not the book, it's the person. It's not the paper and ink. It's the person revealed in the paper and ink. And I say that because you know why? Because some people will say, shouldn't read the Bible on your phone. Hey, I'm the first person. I don't like to read the Bible on my phone, but I cannot look down at someone and say that it has to be on the paper and, and, and has to be a, a book. You know why? Because it didn't used to be a book. If you want to be true traditional, go read scrolls. Okay, try that in your morning quiet time. Like have a scroll of the book of Jeremiah. Okay, try that out. So, so don't, don't get hung up on the technology. The Bible that we have now is just a high-tech way to put all of the scripture together. And you know what? In the future, there'll be even easier ways. Now it's on iPads, now it's on phones, and now it's everywhere. Don't get confused between the book, the revelation, and the person who is revealed in the revelation written in the book. Does that make sense? Okay, just a little thing that I've always wanted to get off my chest there a little bit, okay? 
Let's go back. Okay, we're talking about now about the scriptures. That's what we're talking about right now. Okay, that's why I use the word scripture. Okay, because what I'm talking about is the one who we worship revealed himself in writing. And it's in that writing that God speaks to us today. So let's go back to this. I said the primary means for God to communicate to us today is the Holy Scripture. The primary means. Jesus communicated who he is, revealed himself to people who wrote it down for us. Having it in the Holy Scripture, written form, is better or worse than what it used to be? Be honest. How many of us have ever said the following sentence? You know, if God would just speak to me, I would do whatever he says. Like if God would just like, like come to me in a dream or come to me in a vision, if God would just speak clearly, then I would do it. We say that stuff all the time. We'd be lying if we said we didn't do it. If God would just tell me the answer, yes or no, boy A or boy B, job this or job that. If God would just tell me what he wants, okay, let me ask you this question. If I were to give you two choices, okay, you could have it in writing or you could have it in a voice. In writing or in a voice. If I were to give you directions to my house, would you prefer it in writing or in a voice? If I were to give you all the answers to the final exam in chemistry, would you like me to reveal it to you in a dream in the middle of the night at four o'clock in the morning? Or would you like a little piece of paper slipped in your, in your pocket right there? <laughs> you see, back then, they yearned for what we have. And then we yearn for what they have. Having the scripture in, in plain language in front of us is the greatest gift that God has given to us. You know what they used to do back in the olden day? Back in the olden day in the Old Testament, God would inspire certain people, prophets. And these prophets... Man, we read about like Jeremiah spoke and Isaiah spoke, and these were great prophets. These guys would live for years and years and years and years and years and years and years, and they have two or three things that they say just over and over and over. And they just have the, and you got to go find them, and most of the time they're in jail, so it's difficult to find them. And you got to listen to what they say, and you got to hope that you understand it, and you got to hope that you remember it, and you got to find a way to apply it. You can't ask questions, and you can't text something in. Like there's no way. And we have it there written in front of us, and it's right there. And now it's not even just in a book. Now it's on my phone. It's in my pocket everywhere I go. You go to a hotel room, you open the drawer, there it is right there. Anywhere we are in this universe today, we are less than one click away. Why well, I say less than one click? Because of Siri, okay? We are less than a click away from getting to the revelation of God to mankind in my own language. And uh, you don't like this translation, you can read it in this translation. Uh, you don't read Greek, you can read it in English. You don't like English, you can read it in Chinese. You don't like Chinese, you can read it in all of those languages side by side by side by side. And what is in that revelation? What is inside that scripture that is written to us that's at our fingertips? The plans, the wishes, the dream of God for your life. Everything that you need to know for your life all that God wants to reveal about who he is and about who you are and about his plan for you, his dream for you is revealed inside those scriptures. Remember last week, we talked about one of the conditions to answer prayer. We talked about God's will. Okay, you never hear a sermon about God's prayer, about, about answered prayer without hearing about God's will. And anytime you hear anything about prayer, well, you're praying according to God's will. And is it God's will? It's not God's will. And all of our prayers are, if it's your will, God. How do you know God's will? How do you know God's will? It's right there. There it is. It's written right there in the scripture for you. And how can you pray, have any sustainable prayer life if you are not having the word of God 
revealing himself to you through the scriptures is not possible. You know what it's like? Let's say for me. Let's say you want to get to know me. You say, this Father Anthony seems like a nice guy. I'd like to get to know him. I say, okay, hey, that's great. You know, I'm a busy guy, but I'd love to get to know you as well. We can sit down sometime. But hey, you know what? I wrote, here's, I wrote an email to you. And I say, here are my deepest thoughts, my dreams, my desires, like my hurts, my pains. Like, like here's the depth of me. And here's an email, and I send it to you. And we meet together for coffee next week. And I say, hey, you ready to do the coffee? Okay. What'd you think of the letter? I as long I didn't have a chance. What do you mean have a chance? You said you want to get to know me. Yeah, tell me about yourself. I, I just I spent a lot of time to write that email. You didn't read it? I skimmed it. Like I read like some of the chapters. I didn't understand. You know, I, I didn't I didn't I have time in the morning. I'm busy. But tell me all about yourself. I'd love to hear about it. That's what we do to God. God reveal your will to me. Okay? There it is. God, tell me what you dreamed for my life. I did. Trying to pray without reading the scriptures is like trying to distribute my estate after I die without reading my will. Trying to pray without reading the scriptures is like saying that after Father Anthony goes six feet under, I'm going to distribute all of his estate according to his wishes, but I refuse to read his will. All you'd be doing at best is guessing. Prayer without scripture is guessing. At best. At best you can guess. You're just guessing what you think God wants. You're just guessing what you think you should do. You're just guessing whether or not you're even supposed to be praying about this thing. You're guessing whether or not this even qualifies as a valid prayer. You're guessing at best. Now, before... Y'all throw stuff at me, right? I, 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 I want to, like, I understand the hesitation in many of your hearts as you hear me saying this. The hesitation in many of your hearts, I know it because I've been there myself, we've all been there, is the Bible is just too hard. I don't understand it. I don't know what I'm reading. So-and-so begot so-and-so begot so-and-so. I don't care. I don't know what that has to do with my life. All I see is a list of rules and a list of stuff. It doesn't make any sense to me. And other people say, in my quiet time and God spoke, and I don't know what that is, Father Anthony, because that doesn't exist in my life. I read, and I, I thought I was dumb before I was reading. After I finished, I feel even dumber than I started. First thing I'll say, all of us have been there. There isn't anyone who comes out of the womb understanding the Bible. No one. But I'll say this. You say, I don't read because I don't understand. I say, you don't understand because you don't read. And I have a great example in that clip that we just showed up there in a minute ago. Some of you say, I don't understand that clip. You know why? Because you didn't watch the movie. And many times we just open the Bible up, read a couple passages, and we say, I don't understand this. And I say, you know why? Because you didn't watch the whole movie. You can't show up in the middle of a movie, watch 10 minutes, and be like, this movie makes no sense. <laughs> like, these characters are just coming out of any, like, they're not tying the whole plot line. It doesn't make any sense. The people who made this clearly don't know what they're doing. Is it they don't know what you're doing? Or is it maybe that you... Didn't watch the whole movie. I don't read because I don't understand. No, 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 man. You don't understand because you don't read. You can't understand what you don't read. And there has to be a point where you just jump in and say, you know what? I'm not going to understand this, but I'm going to read to understand. 
Every class I ever took in college in my life, I didn't understand the thing at the beginning. You open the textbook, this makes no sense. You read more, it makes a little more sense. By the time, the, whole, the goal is that by the time you get to the final exam, it makes sense. But when it comes to the Bible, if you don't understand, throw it away. If you don't understand, say, hey, that's not my gift. I've heard people tell me, I don't have the gift of reading the Bible. I didn't know it was a gift to read the Bible. It isn't a gift. You don't understand because you don't read is number one. The second thing I would say along those same lines to those who struggle with it, and again, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not trying to, to condemn or be judgmental. I'm not saying, we've all been there. But what I'll say is this. There needs to be a little bit of humility, a little bit of humility to say, here is the scripture, the revelation of God. And here's my understanding. I don't get it. So either the problem is with the revelation of God or the problem is with me. Raise your hand if you think the problem is with God. Okay, very good. There needs to be a little bit of humility that says, you know what? Maybe the problem isn't that the Bible doesn't make sense. Maybe the problem is me. Maybe the problem isn't that God is irrelevant to my life. Maybe the problem is that I just don't get it. You know what I liken it to? Imagine you get an HD TV, okay? Everyone has HD TV TVs, but you get an HD TV. I know someone, okay, this priest who I know, I was laughing at him. He has an HD TV, like a very fancy TV. He doesn't have cable. He doesn't have cable. He just has the rabbit ears. All he has is the rabbit ears and like CTV, the Coptic channel from Egypt or something like that. So I always make fun of him. And I say, what's the benefit of the TV? Like, PBS and HD isn't that seem that valuable. Like, what's the benefit of the high-powered TV if you, don't have, if you don't feed it with a high-powered feed? Like, it's not about the TV. It's not that the TV stinks. It's that what you're feeding it stinks. Well, I'd say that our prayer lives, you know why a lot of times they stink? Because we ain't feeding it the right way. You have to use Scripture to feed prayer. And our prayer life is weak and our prayer life is dry, and our prayer life doesn't operate where it's supposed to be, not because the prayer doesn't work. Man, the prayer is high-powered. The problem is the stuff that we're feeding it. We feed it piddly. We give it rabbit ears. We say, here's rabbit ears. Give me HD. You never even get HD from rabbit ears, no matter how hard you try. What I want to do for the, rest of the, for the rest of our time here today, I'm going to do two things. I want to share my personal system of how I pray with scripture. And like I shared last week, I shared a little bit about my system of prayer before. I am not saying that my way is the only way, but it's what works for me. And maybe you can take my way. You can try it if you don't got a system. You got a system that works, more power to you. Maybe you, if you don't have a system, you can give my way a try and you can adapt it and you could share with me how you improved it. Like, I don't want to say it's one size fits all. It's not one size fits all. But I'll share kind of my system and then I want to share after that three benefits that you will derive from praying with Scripture. And again, I, I'm just only speaking about my personal way of, of doing it, but I don't want to say it's the only way. The way I pray, okay, I shared this before. I, I'm, I'm very, I like plans. I like structure. I like to know before I sleep exactly what I'm going to do in the morning because this is like big for me is that I always believe that like the first hour of your day, first hour, first hour of my day, okay, if I can win, in the first hour of my day, I'm set for the rest of the day. I honestly believe that. Like if I have control, but if I've lost that first hour 
and I wanted to pray and I didn't pray and I wanted to wake up early and I didn't wake up early and I wanted to exercise and didn't, like if I lose in the morning, I've lost the rest of the day. So for me, the morning is very, very critical. So I have a very detailed, like you'd, you'd be surprised how detailed, like two minutes of this, one minute of this. My wife is laughing because she thinks I'm insane. But this, it works for me, okay? I wake up in the morning. First thing I do, as I told y'all before, I make a prostration. First thing I do, force myself. First thing I do. And sometimes this is challenging. You know why? Because I gotta go to the bathroom. <laughs> and at my age, believe me, at my age, it's rare that I make it through the whole night without going to the bathroom. And if I do, man, I wake up and it's like, it's, it's red alert, okay? Like you gotta get there quick, okay? But I force myself, okay? And I force myself, you know, go down and you know, hold it in, okay? Go down and I bow before the cross and I just try to worship God first thing in the morning. And I say, holy God, holy mighty, holy mortal, who's crucified for us, have mercy on us. First act of my day. And then I go to the bathroom. <laughs> and then I brush my teeth and do whatever I need to do in the bathroom. And then I told you, the next major challenge of my day is coming back through the bathroom, okay, or coming out of the bathroom, back out my room, I have to pass by the most tempting, dangerous area in the universe. More tempting than anywhere else that exists, than, than, than the streets of, of anywhere, like any kind of anything is not as tempting as this. I need to walk by my cell phone. I need to walk by it. And it is screaming, saying, check me, check me. Someone texted me. Uh, someone uh, emailed me. It's screaming at me. I can't check it. I don't, I don't make sure, no. What if something, no. I gotta force myself. Because the truth of the matter is that no matter what the emergency is at 5.30 in the morning, it can probably wait till 6.30 in the morning. Whatever it is at 5.30, it can probably wait till 6.30. So I got to get by that. And that's, if I have made the prostration and then I made it past the cell phone, I'm like 90% of the way home free. I make it to my prayer room. Okay, and I have a, after this movie, okay, I turned my whole office into a prayer room. I told you that in the first week. Okay, so the whole room is nothing but prayer. Nothing distracting. That is my safe haven. There are no electronics in there. There are no computer, nothing. No uh, mess, mess messes me up, okay? All the mess now, I moved it to my bedroom, so that place is pristine, okay? Sorry. Is <laughs> the sacrifice that we made for the sake of the prayer room. She used the prayer room too. Anyway. I get there, first thing I do, okay, is I grab my egg beya, my book of hours, and I usually start with that. But before I start with that, I try to take a minute of silence, just a minute. Because you know when Jesus said to pray, he said, you, when you go into your room and when you have shut your door, okay, pray to your father who's in, in the secret place and your father sees the secret reward you openly. So I try to take a minute of silence. How hard is it to take a minute of silence? Impossible. Impossible. And you don't believe me. After we finish here, go to your car. Sit for one minute in absolute silence. You will go crazy. Potentially, the hardest part of the prayer is this minute of silence. But the reason why I do it is because I want to deflate anything that's in my head and get it away. I'll tell you something else that I do, by the way. This may help you if you're distracted easily. I keep a notepad, a blank notepad, always with me in that room. And that notepad is for anything that pops in my head during my time of prayer. What I mean by that? I'm standing to pray. I'm standing in silence. And I remember, oh, no, I got to remember to take out the trash. I got to remember to call so-and-so. I got to remember I have to take, pick up my children today. Like I have to remember something important. So usually what we do is we pray, but it's kind of like 
one hand, one foot in, one foot out, because I'm trying not to forget this. So I'm like, our father, don't forget my children. Who art in heaven, don't forget my children. Who I'll be there. You know what I'm saying? So what I do is, you know what? Stop the prayer. Write it down. Pick up kids and forget about it. And anything that distracts me, just write it down, and I'm going to come back to that list as soon as I finish prayer. So any dumb thing, even something dumb like, oh, yeah, uh, finish the fantasy line for today. Like anything, whatever it is, write it down right there. Just write it down and leave it there. It'll be there when you finish. And I start my prayer. So I start with my Egbeya prayer, okay? And I pray the first hour, and I try to pray it, you know what I mean, with thought and with meaning. After I finish my Egbeya prayer is where I go to my personal prayer. And what I do, as I shared last week, as I like to write my prayers on cards, I find very beneficial when I write my prayers. I can think better when I write. And then after I write my prayers, right, I shared last week, I open my Bible. Okay, and I'm reading the Bible through right now. I'm in the Old Testament. Uh, I mean, I just finished the book of Obadiah. And what I do, this is how I read my Bible. The most important thing when I read my Bible is I ask myself this question. Don't ask, what does it say? Ask, what does it mean? Don't ask, what does it say? Ask, what does it mean? What does it say is a very scholarly activity. Today, this, and we, we write down to just as if someone's going to check our journal and say, yeah, you did a good job on your journal. Very good. You understood it. It doesn't matter what does it say. I don't want to say it doesn't matter. It does matter. But it, what does it say is only valuable as it leads me to what does it mean? What does it mean to me? What is Jesus trying to say to me? What is the lesson that God is trying to apply in my life? You have to get yourself to the point of what does it mean? Now, the way I do it, Oftentimes, I write down what does it say? Because I, again, I, I, I benefit a lot from writing. So I'll say, you know, uh, this verse, you know, the prophet said this. And then he said this. And then as I'm writing, it's like, oh, like it's clicking in there. So you may go through the exercise of what does it say, but you got to get to what does it mean? And then after you get to what does it mean? Like what's the lesson for today? What is God trying to give me? What I like to do, I have cards, okay, like these index cards that I shared last time with prayers that I write, and also just with verses. And I want to show you how verses can be used as prayer. Because sometimes you have a message, and then there's a verse that perfectly captures that message. And inside the verse, you can remember the entire message. I don't have a verse every day, because I don't think you need to force yourself to find a verse. But what I'm saying, sometimes there's a verse that just totally captures what you're trying to say, what God's trying to say to you. So I'm going to give you just an example of some of the verses right here. And I want you to see how this can be beneficial for prayer. First is from Daniel chapter 2. Okay, Daniel is, is praising God after God gave him a dream that revealed to him, or God gave him the explanation for the king's dream. It says this, Daniel 2.20. says, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. I want you to be thinking how this can be used for prayer. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank you and I praise you, O God of my fathers, for you have given wisdom and might. You have made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's demand. You see how that can be used as a prayer? See how Daniel's saying, God, you are great. You give wisdom. You reveal stuff. See how I can put that in my pocket? all day, and I can carry that with me, and I can lift it up, and that can be a prayer. Obadiah, okay, verse 3 and verse 4. This is an exact opposite message. This is where the prophet is now 
saying condemnation to the people because they didn't repent. And he says this. He says, the pride of your heart has deceived you, you who dwell in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high, who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? Though you ascend as high as the eagle, and though you set your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down, says the Lord. You see how that can be a prayer? Like, Lord, don't let me be this guy. Like, Lord, don't let me be the guy who says, even God cannot bring me down. Let me never be this guy. And the last one, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5. Very simple. This is a prayer. St. Paul says, Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. Can't tell you how many times I keep that one in my pocket, okay, when I know I need patience, okay? My point is this, okay? The goal isn't to find cool verses. They're like, oh yeah, I can say this and that'll be cool. I'll recite this verse. That's not the point. The point is to find what is God trying to say and then you find a verse. And to me, I don't know about you, but say, God, give me patience versus may the Lord direct my heart into the love of God and the patience of Christ. This is more powerful to me because this is the revelation of God himself and I'm praying the words of God back to God, okay? So again, that's my system. I'm not saying it's the only system that works, but hey, it works for me. If you want to give this thing a try and this thing is hard for you, like what I would say to you is just give it a try. Just read the Bible. And when you read, just find a message that God is trying, and then just try to find a verse that might convey that. And to help you out, back at the connection table, we have these prayer cards. I don't know if y'all seen it. Here's just two random ones. Okay, this says, prayers to pray when loving is tough. All right, we're talking about loving your enemies is tough. And it gives you some verses that you can pray. This one says, prayers for healing broken relationships. And again, a bunch of verses. This, this is ways to get you started on this process. But we got to learn to pray with scripture. If we don't learn to pray with scripture, I'm telling you, if you don't learn to pray with scripture, you know what your prayers will always be? Selfish. If I didn't have scripture verse, you know what my prayer would be? Please, God, bless my day. Make this the best day ever. Make me rock and roll today. Like, let this be the best day ever. That would be my prayer every day. But you know when I read the scripture? I realize that there's more to life than me. And I realize God does, doesn't just care about my life being the greatest life in the whole wide world. I realize that God cares about, you know what? God cares about the poor. And I should be praying about maybe God wants me to relate to the poor. God cares about the people who are lonely. God cares about the people who are hurt. God cares that I pull myself down off my high mountain every now and then and humble myself a little bit. What scripture does is help my prayer to mature. First Peter chapter two, verse two, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Okay? That's my system. Now I want to do real quick, real quick, three benefits. Okay, I don't want to say benefits as much as this is why we pray with scripture. Three reasons that are very dear to my heart and I think that you will discover the same when you try it. First thing that I will say, we pray with scripture to receive our daily bread. We pray to receive our daily bread. Every one of us stands and says, give us this day our daily bread. And we don't know what we're talking about in the whole wide world. Are we talking about give us food? Are we talking about give us our meals? Well, you know what, to be honest, if we're talking about physical food, most of us need to pray to take away some of our daily bread. <laughs> I don't think that's what we're standing up and praying. We're saying our daily bread. You know what we're praying? We pray our daily bread. In the Old Testament, there was a great story, a great miracle about where God sent the manna to the children of Israel in the wilderness. Children of Israel were out in the middle of nowhere and they had no food. Well, God said to them, here's the system. You wake up every morning, you go outside. On the grass, you will find bread. It's called manna. 
and you will eat that manna, and it is the bread of angels, is what God said. And every day, you go collect that manna, and it will sustain you for the day. Some people said, okay, this is great. You know what? I don't want to get up early Monday and Tuesday, so I'm going to go out on Monday and collect double the portion, and now I got Monday and Tuesday taken care of. And then they would wake up on Tuesday and find what happened to their Monday bread. Spoiled. It didn't work. You could not collect Tuesday bread on Monday. So what if I want to eat on Tuesday? What do I do? I get up on Tuesday and I go out and eat. What if I want to eat on Thursday? What do I do? I get up on Thursday and I go out and eat. I receive my bread, not Costco style, for the month in advance, but one day at a time. <clears throat> I believe the same is true for us today, is that God prepares us our meal, and it is a custom meal one day at a time. But it's not physical bread. Because physical bread, Jesus told us in Matthew 4, 4, that man does not live by bread alone, but proceeds, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Our sustenance is not based on the physical food that we eat alone. We have no problem with the physical food. I don't know anybody who doesn't have more food than they need in their house. Our problem is the spiritual food. And every day, God prepares for us a spiritual meal. Because here I am in the a.m., in the morning, and God knows... Just again, like the physical. God knows, like for example, I know I'm going to exercise later. I need to eat a good breakfast. I know I'm going to have a long day, so I need to eat good because I have a long day. God knows this day I'm going to run into the most annoying coworker in the universe. And he's going to come and spill it all on me. So God says, okay, you know what you need in the morning? Patience. And I'm going to give you double doses of patience. Why? Because I know you're going to need it when this guy comes knocking at your cubicle. God knows in the morning that in the afternoon, my kids are going to drive me insane. And he is going to make them want to make me want to pull my hair and their hair out. So what God says in the morning, I'm going to give you a little extra dosage of love today. Because they're going to drive you crazy. They're going to drive their teachers crazy. And their teachers are going to want to kill you because of the way that they treated them. So God puts inside a little extra dosage of love. A little extra dosage of self-control on the days we need it. A little extra dosage of grace on the days we need it. A little extra dosage of wisdom on the days we need it. Every day, God has a custom meal because God knows the specifics of my day. But what's our problem? We skip breakfast in the morning. You know, they say the most important meal of the day is breakfast. It's true spiritually. We skip our breakfast. We get over here and we say, God, why don't you give me wisdom to deal with these things? God, why don't you give me the discipline that I need? You know what God says? I did. I left it by your bed because you didn't make it to breakfast in the morning. Every day God has a custom meal for us. And every day, I'll give you some examples. I told you, I'm reading, I just finished Obadiah. The book before that was Amos, okay? Amos, I remember there was one message where God spoke to the people and he said, I'm sorry, God spoke to the prophet and the pro he told the prophet, say these words to the people. And the prophet spoke it, Amos spoke it. And then the people, the king sent someone to tell the prophet Amos saying, you don't speak these words anymore because the king doesn't like it. We're going to kill you if you keep speaking these words. You, you, don't, you stop saying that the king is bad. And Amos said, you know what? I only speak what God tells me to speak. I don't care what you say. And I got that message in the morning and what I felt very, very strongly, God told me, don't matter what people say. You speak what I tell you. And if I give you a message, it doesn't matter. That may upset some people. You speak it. And I'm telling you, that afternoon, I needed that. Because I was in a situation where I wanted to just make the person happy and just say, yeah, everything's going to be fine. But I said, no, I got to speak the word of God. Why? Because I had that meal in the morning. 
And if I didn't have that meal in the morning, I'd have made it to the afternoon and I probably would have gone the wrong way. See how God does it? That's why I'm not saying you shouldn't read the Bible at night. You should read the Bible as much as you can. But what I'm saying, it's critical in the morning to receive my daily bread to make it through whatever challenge is facing me that day. Okay? We read to receive our daily bread. Number two, we, receive, we read, or we pray with scripture, I should say, to attain the mind of Christ. To attain the mind of Christ. Command central of a human being is their mind, is their thoughts. This is HQ right up here. And this is, book of Proverbs says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Said another way, whatever your thoughts are, they will define your life. And you know this to be true because you know that if you got thoughts that are characterized by anxiety, fear, worry, your life will look a certain way. And if you could change that anxiety to trust, your life will be different. If you could change that fear to confidence, your life will be different. If you could change some of those impure thoughts and replace them with pure thoughts, your life would change. St. Paul said it this way, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, be changed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Okay, so if I'm saying that my mind changing is the key to my life changing, how do I change my mind? How does someone who has lived all their life, fear, anxiety, up here. How does someone replace that fear and anxiety with confidence and trust? Impurity with purity. Despair with hope. Like whatever it is. It doesn't, whatever. How does someone who has lived so long with this way of thinking change it to a new way of thinking? Well, I, the example that I, I've given many times before. If I have a big bucket of water, a big bucket, a big tub, like a hot tub worth of water, big, huge water. And I want to empty the dirty water and put in new clean water. I want to empty all that water out. How can I get that water out? Option number one is the muscle man way, which is pick up the water and dump it. What would happen if I tried to pick up a hot tub worth of water and pick it up and dump it? What would happen? Would I be successful? Probably not. How would I feel at the end of that exercise? I would try and try and try and try and try and get nowhere. And then I'd feel frustrated. I'd say, you know what? I'm going to go back again. I'm going to lift some more weight, and then I'm going to go back again. I'm going to try and try and try and try and try. Nothing. So I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to eat my Wheaties and try again. And try and try and try and try and try. What's going to happen after the third or fourth time that I tried? What am I going to do? Hurt my back. Okay, I probably would hurt my back. Okay. But what else would I probably do? What would I not do again? Try. I tried once, twice, three times, and it worked. And then I would go... And my father of confession would say, hey, you got to change your thoughts. You'd say, hey, you know what? I know. I tried. It doesn't work. It doesn't work for me. It works for others. It doesn't work for me. I tried. Look, I tried. It didn't work. Is there a smarter way to get that water out? If that water is filled to the brim, filled to the brim, and I took a rock, and I threw that rock in that hot tub, what would happen? What would happen to the water? A little water would splash out. Then the next day, I took another rock and threw it in. What would happen? A little more. Another day, another day. There isn't one rock that's going to solve all the water problem. But I bet you, if you were committed to throwing one rock a day 
for an entire year, you'd see a difference in that water. And if you were committed to one rock a day for five years, you'd see an even bigger difference. And if you were committed to one rock a day for the rest of your life, by the time you hit 10 years, 20 years, whatever, you wouldn't even remember that water was ever used to be in there. Our problem, we want to solve the problem today. When we pray with scripture, what that verse from Amos does, it knocks a little bit of the bad out. And that verse from Obadiah does, knocks a little bit more out. And then that verse from 2 Thessalonians knocks a little more. And then I go into the world and the world puts more back in. So I need to put more back in. I need to be committed to consistently, day by day, day by day, day by day, putting the word of God in here, putting the word of God in here, and knowing that every day it makes me a little bit closer to attaining the mind of Christ. Look what St. Paul says this way. 1 Corinthians, whoop, back. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God, we have the mind of Christ. Where is this mind of Christ? How do I have the mind of Christ? Because God has revealed his mind to me in his word, in the scripture. He's revealed it to me. You know how they say you are what you eat, right? You are what you eat. You eat Twinkies, you be a Twinkie. <laughs> you eat healthy, you be healthy. Let me ask you, what is your mind eating? You feed your mind news all day, every day. You CNN staple to your forehead. You will walk around in fear. You will be stressed. You will be worried at all times. If that's what you feed your mind. You feed your mind on Facebook all day, all night. Facebook this, Facebook like this, and retweet that and all that stuff. That's what you feed yourself. You're going to be a people pleaser. I guarantee you. Your mind will naturally dwell or, 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 or go towards people pleasing. I do this, I wonder what people are going to like it. And you're not even online, but I wonder if people are going to like this. I wonder if people are going to retweet this. Your mind will go the direction of what you feed it. So I got news for you. Your best bet to be like Jesus, feed yourself the word of Jesus. Your best bet to have the mind of Christ, feed yourself the word of Christ. <clears throat> Attain the mind of Christ. And then number three, last but not least. I pray scripture to align my will with God's will. As I said earlier, you cannot talk about prayer. Every sermon about prayer says, according to God's will, according to God's will. You will never know the will of God unless you have a deep relationship with the word of God. A deep relationship with God's revelation in the scriptures. John 15, verse seven, says it pretty bluntly. It says, and if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. When I pray without scripture, it's God bless my job. When I'm in the scripture, then I am praying, God, please lead me to the job that you want to bless. When I'm praying without scripture, it's please, God, bless my life. Give me this. Where I'm praying with scripture, it's please, God, I know that you have things. You have a mission that you want to accomplish. You have purposes. Please lead me to the life that accomplishes your purpose, not bless my purpose. Lead me to the life that accomplishes your purpose. It only happens when we're deep inside the scriptures, okay? I wanna show you a verse from Deuteronomy, which I think if you, like, I'm gonna read it right now, but I want this, you to take this to heart 
this is God's message to us about how he wants us to look at his word. He says this, Deuteronomy 11, verse 18. Therefore, you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes, meaning something hanging in front of your eyes at all times. You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Why? That your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, like in the days of the heavens above the earth. Too many of us, when it comes to prayer, we are praying, like here's God's will, God's revealed will over here, and here I am in prayer. And I am not only not in accordance with God's will, I'm not, not, it's not that I'm not praying for God's will, I'm praying the exact opposite of God's will. Look, you can't get very far in prayer if you are trying to go head to head with God and his will. You ain't gonna get very far. So instead of trying to convince God that you're right and that your way is the right way, what we need to do is turn to God and ask him to reveal to us what is the right way. Daily bread, mind of Christ, aligned to God's will. Leave you all with this story to think about. True story happened just this past week to show us how we should look at the word of God, the scriptures. Too many of us are reading the scriptures as a historical book, something to be dissected, understood, studied. It's not. We need to read it as a letter from God to us. And we need to stop looking at it as something irrelevant and something very practical for my day-to-day -day life that God is speaking to me today. Just this past week, okay, I went to my kids' back-to-school night. And they had two separate back-to-school nights. Michael's was first, Lizzie's was second. When we go to the back-to-school night, one of the things that the, 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 the school makes them do is they write a note to their parents. So I get there, and I try to fit myself in that funny little desk, okay? And then you read a note, and it's from the kid to you. Okay, and the kids write, you know, these nice notes and, you know, whatever the kids may say. One of the kids, I won't say which one, okay? So I went to the first kid, the back-to-school night, and they wrote a very loving note, and then I wrote a very loving note back, like, you know, I love you, and I'm so proud of you, and you've become so, so mature, and like, I'm just so great to see how you've grown like this. And I wrote that to this child, okay? And then the next day, the child goes to school and sees it, and they said, thank you so much, Dad, for the note, and it made their, their day, and just, like, their note, they cherish it, Okay? Cherish it. It's like the most precious thing in the world. Second child, okay, I go to their back-to-school night, and I read the note on the desk. And the note on the desk, okay, this second child, okay, <laughs> I won't say who it is, okay, this second child, okay, wrote the note that said, hey, Dad, you know, look at my desk, and, you know, look how neat my desk is, and look at this, and this person, like, you ain't never seen a desk in a school like this kid's desk, okay? Like, they put the other ones to shame. And in the desk... They collect tokens, okay? If you behave, you get these tokens. And this particular child, no other way to say it, likes to get a lot of tokens, okay? Very materialistic, okay? <laughs> this child, but this is just the way, <laughs> I don't mean it in a bad way, but they want the most tokens. And it's not, materialistic isn't the right word, it's competitive. This kid wants to have the most tokens in the class. Even if they don't want to spend the tokens, they just want to be better than all the other dumb kids in the class and show everyone that I got the most tokens in the class. So this kid said, hey, dad, make sure you check out my wallet to see how many tokens I got. 
Alright? And I looked in there and I'm amazed. And I looked at the tokens and I could see clearly. I looked at the other suckers and how little they had. And I saw Mikey had the most tokens. But I didn't actually count. And then I started to write the note to this kid. And same as the first one. I'm so proud of you. You've become so mature. And like, I can't wait to see the plan God has for you. Like, like, like my deepest stuff inside me. Okay? Next day comes. Kid goes to school. Comes home. Doesn't mention anything about the letter. Doesn't mention anything about the letter. All right, that's fine. The kid forgot. Next day. Doesn't mention nothing about the letter again. Second day. So I'm like, hey. <laughs> did you see the letter? First words that came out of this kid's mouth. You didn't say anything about the tokens. <laughs> you didn't say anything about the tokens. So here I am. I got beef with the kid. The kid here got beef with me. You didn't mention anything about my tokens. So I said, I saw your sticking tokens. I'm never writing you a letter again. Except never find no I'm <laughs> Here's my point in that story. Here's the point. The point is, is that some of us, what I want, look at this verse. One of my children looked at my letter and said to me, Jeremiah 15, 16, your words were found and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. We see the letter of God. How are we viewing it? How we view the letter of God? We view it as, but you didn't mention my tokens. <laughs> but you didn't give me what I wanted. Or say, you know what? Man, this is the most precious thing in the world to me. This is the creator of the universe and his love letter to me. Man, you don't dissect love letters. You don't break it down and correct it for grammar. You don't analyze it. You cherish it. And my question to you is, are you cherishing the word of God as it was meant to be, as a love letter from God's heart to yours? Or you dissect it like a textbook and figure out what's missing in it. My hope and my prayer is that we can change our attitudes toward the scripture and use it to really improve and take our prayer life to a new level that God meant it to be at. Okay? Let's stand up together for a prayer now. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, thank you for bringing us here today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for writing down your deepest thoughts and desires and dreams for our lives and putting it in front of us and giving us access to it day to day. I pray that you'd help us to appreciate your word more and to dive into it not as a textbook, but as a letter from your heart to ours. We ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, with the prayers of all your saints. Hear us, Lord, as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.